Hey, y'all, before we get started, are you following me on Instagram? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I've already looked you up. I already know. But it's okay. All you got to do is go to Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y, over on the IG. Slide into my DMs. Let me know you found me from the show. And say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Again, that is at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y, over on IG. Are you afraid of selling? It's okay if you are. Don't be ashamed. A lot of us get anxiety around selling things. It's easy to make stuff that you really love. But when you actually have to get it out in front of people and sell something, oh my goodness. Let's be honest around here. But is there a way to make selling more like performance art? Maybe make it into a game and something that you actually have fun with. Well, today's guest says, yep, having fun with selling is not only going to help you sell, it's going to make you pretty good at it. What's up, y'all? Welcome to today's episode of Unconventional Leaders. My name is Heather Parody. I am your host. Today, we're talking about how in the world, how in the world can we make selling fun? You may not be a sales professional, but if you're a creative, you're selling your work. If you're a leader, you're trying to sell your ideas. Come on, y'all. We know we got to do it. How do we do it? Today's guest is Tom Stern, who's an executive recruiter who's worked with companies like Coca-Cola, Sony Pictures, NBC, and Universal Studios. And here's something super interesting. He also created a syndicated comic strip called CEO Dad. That's kind of cool. He was a radio talk show host, contributing humorous to NPR's Marketplace. He was formerly a writer and producer for HBO and president of a division of Spotlight Enterprises, whose clients included Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, etc. I could go on and on. His life has been very diverse, creative, fun, and full of selling. Today, we're going to talk about how we can view sales as performance art, how to make it fun, and what is at the root of our anxiety around selling. Make sure you connect with Tom at TomSternCentral.com. That is linked in the show notes. And before we get started, if you're creative, if you're ambitious, and a little strange, and a little weird, but you know you're called to do great things, we're your people. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. And if you haven't done so yet, drop us an honest review I'll give you a shout out on the show. Let's get into this. You ready? I'm not going to lie to you. When I think of selling, sometimes I have that stereotypical salesman in my head that's talking to you, but not really listening to you. That smile on this crazy fake smile. I, I know that's wrong, but that's sometimes what I think about. I was wondering though, with Tom, when he hears about sales, what pops in his head? Sometimes it's the image of someone on a high wire act. Sometimes it's the image of someone reaching down and pulling someone up who's fallen. You can rescue. Uh, you can take big risks. It requires courage, heart, imagination. I'm a huge advocate for salespeople, and I understand they are maligned and stereotyped, and sometimes, as in any profession, understandably so. But I'll be honest with you, I'd rather have a bad salesperson than a bad surgeon, okay? So... <laughs> You know, if you had a choice, I'll go with the guy with the slick back hair who's right. talking too much. But the truth is, most salespeople are trying to earn a, a living, yes, and they have an agenda, yep. but that doesn't make them corrupt. And it doesn't mm. necessarily mean they lack empathy. In fact, right. the best salespeople have big hearts, really care, inquire as to what somebody really needs, and know that that's the secret to being good at your job, understanding what people really want and who mm. they really are and serving that. And it takes guts, but it's a great profession. It doesn't require multiple degrees. If you have an ability to connect, to share, present, 
and you love to win uh, and make things happen, it's an amazing career. And I put that out there for all the people who've been disrupted by the pandemic or wondering about a business that just went under or trying to figure out what they want to do. Sales is a career to consider and not look down your nose at. I was curious, when was the moment in Tom's life where it clicked for him that this was his gift? There were a lot of clues, but I never took it seriously because I thought of salespeople as not intelligent, low rent. Mm -hmm. You know, I came from a high status family. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be a salesperson. Anybody Mm -hmm. can do that. Mm -hmm. But when I had lost all my money and gotten sober 32 and a half years ago. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, got a lot of help with that. And I wandered into a boiler room for my first sober job. And I was terrified, sweating through my shirt, handed a directory, knew nothing about business. And they said, sell. And I had to represent as an executive recruiter in this tiny company, a guy who made printed circuit boards for computers. I didn't even know how to work a computer. I got on the phone and the first days I was nervous, but then I just started sharing with enthusiasm, conveying information and people listened. And I went, so you really do have talent. I built a whole career on that moment, that self-belief and the hunger to win and improve. Now, you heard it teased earlier, performance art. How in the world can you compare sales to performance art? Well, gosh, that's so intuitive. You've stolen my thunder because you perfectly described, and I'm happy you did so, exactly how I view sales. Yeah. If you break things down into their smallest parts, most things are, if not dull, seem ordinary. But if you use your imagination and you have a mission, any job can be extraordinary, which is why there are people who are great at jobs that aren't that important, but they throw themselves into them. And I use the word important, meaning recognize. Sure, sure. So in sales, it's an adventure in who are you every time you sell. For me, the curtain went up. And who was I going to be today? Was I going to be forceful? I've got to talk to you about something really important. I know you're busy, but we've got to get into it right now. Can you spare 60 seconds? Was I solicitous? Hi, I know it's late in the day and you're probably beat. You're good at this. (laughs) I'd just like to convey some things to you. Or was it um, informal? And I could go on with all the approaches. But the idea that there were myriad approaches characters, personalities, and attitudes. Alter egos? Alter egos, well put. I thought that was like a buffet for me every day to do something different. It it made it less repetitive because Mm -hmm. every job is repetitive, including sales. Then the performance art was the improv with the person. The second they went, yes, okay, I'm dealing with someone who's a hard ass. Or, hello, somebody might be nice. And adjusting my performance, my expression, what I call sales expression, and realizing that at its core, communication is the expression of an attitude, a persona, an emotion, and the receiving of the same. And like a board game, making moves, adjusting, always with the best of intentions. It's not Machiavellian. It's not Mm -hmm. manipulation, Mm -hmm. but it is playing a game. And all day long, I get to get on the phone. The curtain goes up. And what part of myself am I going to demonstrate? That becomes very exciting and creative. I've heard Tom in other interviews talk about the importance of being able to read rooms and being aware how other people perceive you. And I just wondered, like, how do you know that? Have you ever put your toe in the water? 
to see how warm or hot it is if you're about to go swimming. Sure. Yeah. Right. It's a it's a pilot. It's a test run. You reduce the risk instead of diving and taking your chances. You're going to gauge the temperature. Mm. We're doing that consciously or otherwise all the time. We are talking to people. That's true. I'll give you an example. You. I get on the phone with you. You weren't even visible. There's that beautiful, shiny, smiley face of yours looking out at me. I'm being playful and fun, and you're being playful and very friendly and intelligent and all that, but you're actually kind of serious. I make a few jokes, and you don't go go with a big laugh or everything. And so immediately I gauge, this is a very directed person. She's highly focused on her job. She's probably extremely ambitious. And she really wants to get into it. She's curious. Don't act like you know me, Tom. Come on. That's on point. You're exactly right. You're (laughs) smiling and people could first think what, you know, Mm -hmm. just and they would miss you because you've got a driving tigress in you. And I picked that up very fast. Wow. So one, you can't judge. You can't go. She's not laughing at my jokes or, hey, why won't she lighten up? I didn't have those thoughts. I want to make that clear. But you can't have those thoughts. You have to work with the clay that is presented to you with each human being. And it's a fascinating process because how you adapt, you will use different muscles in interacting. It's always, it's like going to the communication gym and each individual requires more bicep, more heart, more legs. You got to push. It's a workout. Now, most people listening to this show aren't a bunch of corporate people. We're artists, we're creatives, we're outside of the box, going the unconventional path. So selling unconventional work, creative work, uh, any tips there? I really am not an overly strategic person. Uh, I'm not recommending that. I have always, you know, worked in the moment. Uh, I will get intelligence on people, but I so Mm -hmm. believe in the creative process of reading, experiencing, intuiting, and creating. I'll give you an example. It's not necessarily flattering, but maybe entertaining um, of my selling something creative. I was in Hollywood. I'd been a stand-up. Right. I um, you know, struggled. I'd been a B act with Jerry Seinfeld and all my other friends, Jay Leno, yeah. you know, being yeah. who they are, and I couldn't yeah. compete. So I started writing and producing and I sold a show to Chris Albrecht, who became the Mm -hmm. chairman of HBO, and they didn't pick it up. They didn't make it. So I was struggling for money, living in a tiny apartment, and I had to get into Chris Albrecht again because I didn't know anybody else in Hollywood. Tried to get a meeting for months. Finally, just went into the Double Towers on Century Park uh, East or West, went up to his floor. You could do that then. was kind Mm -hmm. of pre-terrorist anxiety. And I said to the secretary, I'm here to see Chris. She said... You don't have an appointment. And I said, I know. I just want to speak to him for a minute. I mean, I'm really worried financially. And he's on the inside. I go, Chris? He goes, yeah. And I say, I'm just coming in for a sec. It's Tom Stern. So I sit down with him and I say, I got to pitch you something. I've been trying to get you on the phone for weeks. Will you just listen to this show idea? And Mm -hmm. he had a deadpan like no one you've ever seen. I mean, he made Mount Rushmore look animated. Mm -hmm. And he stared me down and went, okay. What is it? So I said, I've got this great idea for a magazine show called Misguided Tour of L.A. He immediately says, I hate magazine shows. HBO will never do a magazine show. I don't even read magazines. Don't ever use that word. again." So I'm terrified. I'm imagining eviction notices. I'm homeless on the street. pitching Pitching shows to cars that are driving by. What do you think of this concept? And, you know, terrified. And I improvised. And I said, 
I agree with you. You know what? My partner has been so dead set on this magazine idea, and I should have trusted my instinct. By the way, did not have a partner. Okay, made up the partner concept. That's on the bold, spot. dude. That's this bold. Is, this is desperation. Okay, I'm <laughs> right, not recommending sure, it. It's not sure. ethical. But hey, I was about to hit the streets. Sure. And I said to him, uh, I think it should be a story. And he went, uh-huh. And I said, what do you think of this? And I pitched this thing, the misguided tour of LA, a honeymoon couple arrives in Los Angeles. The chauffeur driver is um, her former fiance from 15 years ago. He's got a beard. She doesn't recognize him. He just him. came up with all that on the spot. Right. And, and he decides to destroy their honeymoon. And he takes them to all these bizarre places so that she'll break up with uh, the person she's just married. And he bought it. Now, they didn't make it. And eventually, I gave up on writing and producing. And Jay Leno got me a job as an agent. And that was my first entree into talent, which is what I've been working with for a long time. But the bottom line is, I was quick on my feet. I was lucky, but I saw it as a game. I had fun and mm -hmm. I valued my imagination. And a lot of times, I'll conclude with this. A lot of times people think in sales, it's information. They get a sheet with bullet points or they have the things they want to sell. So much of talent in communication is nonlinear, moving mm -hmm. sideways, suddenly talking to someone about your childhood. And how you've associated mm -hmm. from whatever product or service you have to some experience you had. Interesting. And all of these personalizations and all of this flexibility cognitively and, and verbally, it's, it creates a kind of gymnastic, uh, compelling energy that people yeah. listen to. Because yeah. most people are working in their lane, doing their job in life. And if you are like a little leprechaun or a harlequin, or what I call a corporate jester, bouncing around on your toes, you wake them up. People want to be awakened. And if they don't, move on and let them go to sleep. I also heard Tom say once in another interview, because I'll be listening to other podcasts Tom was on, because he says some good stuff. He said something along the lines that if you're in sales for money, you're going to get burnt out. I thought that was interesting. What should sales be about? It should be about expressing yourself. It should be performance art because that's something that can give you a secondary or in my case, a primary sense of satisfaction. When I got that boiler room job and I got really good at it within three months, sometimes I wouldn't cash the checks for a week. I had a little bit of savings Wow! and they'd, they'd end up in the drawer. And the, the guy who ran the company came and said, did you lose the check I gave you? I, I checked my account and I went, oh, right. Yeah. And then I I was absent-minded, honestly, and newly sober. So that may have played a role in it. But the check wasn't really it for me. It was that moment of connection when I had someone listening, the power to persuade, the power to influence. It's an extraordinary feeling. So rare for so many people who do their work. And in sales, I have taken leaders and convinced them to move from one part of the country to another without ever meeting them. Oh. You know, that's an amazing feeling. And of course, adding value. But there sure. is that feeling of influence that so far outstrips money. Because what I've seen, this is my experience. You get the big house. Not only do you have right. all the payments, but after a month, it's just a big house. Right. I mean, right. You, you adapt to it. You go, yeah, I've got a swimming pool, whatever it is. Right. And the magic but to me, influence, human connection, uh, the power to understand, the power to lead people through conversation, to leverage intuition. Um, these are the things that are truly exciting, creative and powerful. Tom also talks about how in order to be a good salesperson, you need to be willing to challenge 
thoughts, stand up for your beliefs, hold your ground. But what's the balance between that and also being teachable and being empathetic? Well, I believe that there's a continuum and some people are 80% leader and 20% follower and the inverse. But every person, no matter which point on the spectrum they are, wants to have insight and wants to feel seen and wants to get a sense of navigation. Sure. One of the ways that I build credibility is seeing people. You already feel that I maybe saw you a little bit. It was cursory, superficial, but I made sure, a comment about sure. you. Sure. Okay, so that's a toehold into my maybe having enough credibility to extrapolate that to further insight. Hmm. People don't respond to muscle, but they respond to the gentle yet powerful ambrosia of insight that seeps into their mind and they go, I feel seen, I feel understood. And once they feel that, you can begin to encourage them to challenge themselves. So it's not argumentative, it's service oriented. One of my breakout moments when I was new, and it was a little outrageous because I was trying to make my first deal and it's too long a story to give you the context, but I was on the phone, I was desperate to make a placement. I was searching for a particular, very challenging type of individual to find. I was down to my last few options geographically and I got someone on the phone and he did everything I was looking for. Mm. And I was excited and then he told me, but I'm happy on my job. It's Mm. a nightmare, it's the ultimate tease. A person who could deliver everything I'm hoping for and maybe in turn and equally deliver something to him. And yet he's happy, not Mm -hmm. interested in considering Mm -hmm. options. And I actually said to him, what is happiness? You say you're happy, but are you happy or are you maybe comfortable or worst case complacent? You've been at this company 10 years. You know everybody from the guard who enters the parking lot to the person you work for. Your office is, is a second home. Everything is at your fingertips. It's easy. It's comfortable. And if that's all you want, that's fine because yeah. that's a nice life. But if you hunger, if you seek, if you want to climb in your career, then maybe you're, you're settling and you don't know it because you've never had a point of comparison. Interesting. So beware of happiness because sometimes it's complacency masquerading in the form of comfort. And he sent me his resume. <laughs> so <I bet. laughs> that's because I challenged his thinking. But in my agenda was to help him reevaluate himself. Now, that's what happens. People are caught. People get stuck. People are bored. People want to be stimulated. If you're diplomatic, if you're intelligent, and if you're willing to risk, what are we afraid of? How dare you? Rejection. We're afraid of people not liking us. How we come across. Mm -hmm. Anger. Mm -hmm. But if it's a game, all you did was lose that game. So you're just viewing it as a game. That's it. Yeah, you lost that point. You lost that game. You lost that tournament. What people are really afraid of is shame. That's true. Experience is going to shame them, systemically undermine their self-esteem and turn them into a crustacean or turtle who crawls into their shell and never returns. Yeah, you're right. That is a kind of catastrophizing will keep you in your place for the rest of your life. So if you get good at challenging yourself, which is really hard, it's easier to challenge other people. He said we got to challenge ourselves. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? How does Tom personally challenge himself? Part of challenging yourself is finding a place inside of you 
where you, um, you feel you deserve and have earned the right to have a good life. Oh boy. You, you really, we're getting deep. That's well, I, you have to have that groundswell, that wellspring of self-belief and faith. Einstein said, most important question is the universe friendly or unfriendly that bifurcation that's the to him. And he was a reasonably smart guy. Never had good hair conditioner. I don't know what the problem was. Could solve the universe, split ends beyond belief. But that's another subject. The point is, so if we see this as a friendly universe, and if we are not being punished, then we're learning and we're growing and we believe in the possibility, you know. So I, I feel that that has to come from somewhere. Now, I've created a construct called the inner corporation. Mm. The inner corporation, I call it that because mostly for business people. So they, they believe in infrastructure. They understand organizational design and roles yeah. and hierarchy. Yeah. You can create that with your own personality. Find that chief criticism officer and make sure that he is not at every board meeting. Because if he is or she is, forgive me, that can be a problem. You'll mm. call him in when needed, when mm. approaching high risk, when you mm. want that counterbalancing and countervailing point of view. Where is your chief advocate officer? And each yeah. of these are broken into parts. There's a whole uh, venue or methodology of psychology called parts psychology. Mm -hmm. So I'm leveraging an existing clinical approach to the human psyche, but putting it in a corporate setting. So you have to really develop your chief advocating officer. That's good. And then you have to break it into pieces. What are you advocating? I have always advocated and believed that I can reach people and that I I once had an acting teacher say to me, you know, Tom, you're just in love with the sound of your own voice. And I said, you know, I really am. It's a beautiful voice and it's timber and it's resonance, the roundness of its sound, the baritone, yet the slight tenor, give it a quality, a, a sousson, a beauty. And I went on and on because I hated this guy. But the point was, that's right. You're not taking that from me. Mm. And so you have things you own and you believe, and you will not let the universe, society, or individuals take them from you. Mm. And that's the core boundary that you have to set. But that takes self-belief, heart, and courage. Now, the intro of this podcast, I talked about all the diverse things that Tom has experienced, been a part of. He did stand-up comedy. I mean, it's just so fun, so cool. And I was wondering, big picture, looking over his life, if he had any words of advice, thoughts about just finding your lane, finding your calling in such a crazy ass world. <laughs> I like the technical term crazy ass. I'll, I'll use this that. is our uh, show. <laughs> no, I the crazy ass. I wonder maybe therapists could start calling. Look, you know, am I neurotic? Am I a narcissist? You're just it's crazy, crazy ass. ass. That's, that's why I switched gears. <laughs> I have, that's my clinical diagnosis. Yeah. You're crazy ass. Yeah. So to answer your question, I have had to hold in my life, not always consciously, two uh, almost oppositional elements. Mm. I'm a seeker. So I'm always oh, yeah, seeking something and I'm always wondering where that adventure is. Mm. At the same time, you have to guard against futility and be objective. When I was in stand-up comedy, I was the funniest guy in my family. Not a big accomplishment, but it shapes your feeling of yourself. Sure. At college, I was the number one comedy star. I won't bore you with all my credits. And I came to New York thinking that I'd be on Johnny Carson in six months. I, I won an, uh, uh, the, the Copacabana was open for the first time in decades. I got the gig. Yeah. I got into Catching Rising Star, the number one club in New York on my first try. 
And I thought I was destined for stardom. And my yep. first night, I watched Richard Belzer, who people may know from Law and Order, Robin Williams, who everybody knows, and a bunch of other top comedians. And when I was done watching them, I went, oh, my God, I'm a beginner. And I spent the next two years trying. And then I looked myself in the mirror and I said, Tom, you're going to end up on a cruise ship. Not that there's anything wrong with that being on a cruise ship, but it's not the career I wanted. I knew I would be a journeyman comedian. How did you know that? How did you know that? Because, and this is the other side of it. The seeker has a sense of dreaming, imagination, visioning. Right. And it's emotional and it's creative. The other's clinical, analytic, the opposite, assessing. And I just said, can you write as much material as Jerry Seinfeld? Are you as disciplined as he is? And are you as appealing? No. Will you ever have the confidence that Jay Leno has, the way he swaggers on a stage and delivers a line with a yeah. sledgehammer? No. Will you? I mean, I just went through it. You have to ask yourself tough questions. The way you challenge customers. Remember I said you have to yeah. challenge yourself? Yes. If you challenge yes. yourself, it's easy to challenge other people. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself really tough questions. Dream. Seek. And constantly course correct. If you can do both those things, I believe great things can happen. We have a couple of questions left from our audience. Before then, I want to give a big shout out to Tom for coming on today's episode. Make sure that you buy his book, Fear Less, Sell More, a guide on overcoming your fears and achieving career success. The foreword's by Jay Leno. I mean, how's that? That's pretty cool. Tom says this book is good for anybody who is interested in becoming more persuasive. So make sure you click the link in the show notes to grab that. Or again, you can go to TomSternCentral.com. Now we're going to end here, y'all, with some questions from you guys. If you're interested in asking future guests questions, all you got to do is text podcast guest to 501-214-4307 for your chance to ask future guests questions. So we'll wrap it up here. I love you guys so much. We're in your corner. See you soon. It's just to wrap us up here. This comes from Nicholas. He wants to know effective approaches to get out of your comfort zone and risking humiliation. Well, first of all, I would challenge the question. There is no humiliation. Oh, boy. You've raised the stakes so high that you'll, you're already out of your comfort zone. Uh, I would say risking disappointment. That's really the worst that happens unless you are acting out something from your childhood or making everybody a father who never loved you or a mother who was too critical or you're reliving some trauma. All we're talking about is disappointments. So once you realize the stakes are actually that and not total shame, humiliation and degradation, it's easier to get out of your comfort zone. And the way to do it is look at who you are. What are you comfortable at? list those things. And what are you less comfortable at? Is it being um, highly demonstrative and saying, I believe in this. I really think you need to consider this. I believe in what I'm doing. And here's what's great about it. Is it, I have to tell you, honestly, I disagree with you. Mm -hmm. I see it very, very differently. Mm -hmm. Is it telling somebody what, how you perceive them? Suppose I had told you the beginning of the show that I thought of you the way I did. And you went, well, I got to be honest, Tom, you're way off the mark. That's (laughs) not who I am at all. Get you, Tom. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, this show is over. Bye-bye. I took a little bit of a chance, but it was calculated. So if you have that seeker and if you have that calculating um, assessor, that's the rudder. The rudder is the assessing. The momentum and the vector of movement forward is the heart and the seeking. If you have both, you will have the strength and courage to get out of your comfort zone, risk disappointment, and possibly find paradise. Beautiful. We'll end with this very last one. Bill wants to know 
what is at the root of our anxiety around selling. Being insignificant, being invisible. If you play it low key, you never risk finding that out. You can always think, oh, I'm great. And if they only knew, or I'm great, but they don't treat me well. And you have excuses and explanations. But if you seek and you risk, the chance is they won't be interested. They'll not only be angry. How about this? Indifferent. Mm. What about indifference? Then you just shrink into a polyp. You're like something that has to be excised from life. But again, that's all catastrophizing. Yeah. Everybody's a person. Everybody has anxiety. Welcome to the bus. And we're all paying the same fare. So I would just say lower the stakes and give yourself greater chances to express who you are. And taking risks will be an adventure, not a nightmare. Hey, y'all, before we jet out of here, if you are looking to build a course or a membership site, build in some online income so you can fund your creative work, you know, bring in a little extra money monies. One of my favorite platforms, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's my favorite platform, is Kajabi. Almost everybody I work with, I somehow convinced to get onto Kajabi. I personally use it. It's an all-in-one platform for not only your email list, but also hosting your courses, your membership sites, and pretty much whatever you want to do. You can do it on Kajabi. To start your free trial, all you have to do is go to heatherparody.com forward slash Kajabi. That is linked in the show notes. And start your trial for 14 days. I mean, technically, you could build a product, sell the product within two weeks, and it pays for itself. No sweat. Again, that is heatherparody.com forward slash Kajabi. 